and welcome to a new series of podcasts from Capita on the theme of the great opportunity. I'm Justine Green and on this episode we'll look at the opportunities and choices organisations need to make to plan, rebuild and come back stronger after such unprecedented times. First, let's welcome our guests and I'm joined remotely by Patrick Gormley, Head of Capita Consulting. Hello Patrick. Hello Justine. And Ollie Freestone, Head of Capita Institute, Capita's think tank dedicated to helping clients understand the trends and implications impacting organisations. Hello Ollie. Hi Justine. Patrick, let's set the scene then. Why the great opportunity? Well, I, I genuinely believe that we're only really at the start of a massive transformation. And what we're experiencing today is very likely to turn out to be the slowest pace that we'll encounter for the rest of our careers. I mean, clearly COVID-19 has suspended a lot of things, but actually it has accelerated the adoption of all sorts of technology that only recently felt mildly futuristic. I echo the words of uh, the CEO of Microsoft, Satya Nardelli, who's recently stated that in 2020, he's seen two years worth of digital transformation happen in two months. And I think we can, you know, if we can't agree about many things, I think we can all agree that it's, it's no longer business as usual. Well, the COVID-19 pandemic era is setting new standards for what an economic downturn looks like. We've gone very quickly and deeply into a recession here in the UK. Ollie, do you think we'll come out of it as quickly? Uh, I think you're certainly right, Justine. This, this recession is unique, uh, certainly in recent memory in terms of speed and, and depth. Uh, I was looking at some of the ONS data and um, it's estimated GDP has, has fallen in the last quarter by about 20%. And if you compare that to the last financial crisis, 2008-9, you know, that 20% fall in a quarter we're experiencing now is three times greater than the whole of that crisis in 08-09. But I think what I'd say around this recession is it, it's potentially not the same type of recession as the last one or indeed many others. So at a macro level, it looks very similar. So business confidence has dropped, investments declined, employment might have stalled. But at a micro level, I think that picture is a lot less clear. So if you look at travel and hotel sector as an example, you look at airlines have been very hard hit, travel agents and foreign holidays are suffering, but in the domestic market, self-catering, holiday lets have soared, and Airbnb has seen surge in staycationing. So with all that context, I think in terms of emerging quickly, I think I think there's a range of scenarios. If we get a protracted economic winter as a result of a resurgence over, over the coming winter season, I think we could get a recovery that's a bit like um, a Nike swoosh, I guess. So you get an initial surge post-lockdown and then it takes a long time to get back to pre-pandemic levels. Or you could see a rare double dip if a vaccine proves hard to find, but... I think most economists agree that growth at a macro level is going to be pretty suppressed until an effective treatment's developed. I think it's that unevenness with which it's impacting at a more micro level that's really interesting though, and that's why it's a different type of economic challenge. And Patrick, are there wider consequences for organisations in the private and public sectors that weren't obvious at first? Yeah, absolutely. I, I often uh, point to some macroeconomic data actually with clients and, and some employees, etc., Really, just to illustrate, even before the pandemic, just how seismic the changes were. So if you take, for example, the S&P index, the Standard & Poor index, the index of the world's largest companies, we were already seeing that the average lifespan of a 
S&P 500 company had nosedived in recent years from a span of 60 years to 18 years and, and it was continuing to fall. And if you think about that, that means that 75% of the S&P 500 will actually be replaced by 2027. And what we, we even be, again before the pandemic, we were seeing names disappear and uh, off the index and actually disappear altogether. The likes of Woolworths, for example, Kodak, Blockbuster, and closer to home in recent years, we've seen you know truly household names: Thomas Cook, Flybe, British Home Stores, Mothercare. They've they've joined that list of famous UK brands to suffer collapse. And of course, we've seen a massive change now, and and the world's changed rapidly and dramatically and actually smart companies will now have to quickly learn how to operate and thrive in this new environment we find ourselves in. Certainly a really challenging situation for everyone so a big question for you both what are the opportunities that organisations need to think about now in terms of how differently they operate? I think you know retail is a really interesting sector to look at I think there's going to be those not just in retail but wider but those who potentially kind of hunker down go back into their shell look to conserve cash pull back from investing in anything too radical um, and we're seeing that in many sectors um, I think the challenge there is if you stop investing in in growth or looking for new demand it, it becomes very difficult to get back on a that trajectory of growth at a later date um, I think that then there are those that are going to be more radical or and we've seen that as well in their approaches and and actually look at this as an opportunity to capitalise on new trends and respond to changes by changing their business models and switching up how they operate. And I would add to that, obviously, what Ollie's spoken about is companies who've, who've been uh, able to pivot uh, at speed. And what we've really seen is speed is an increasingly important currency of business now. And agility will be a key determin- determinant of success. But the issue is that agility requires experience Experimentation and experimentation often requires failure. So leaders have got to get used to being uncomfortable. I, I remember the recently retired CEO of IBM, Gini Rometty, used to often remark that growth and comfort does not coexist. So I think I think it, we're really going to see organisations are going to have to totally re-engineer themselves uh, from root and branch upwards. I agree, Patrick. I think it's what. Alex Ferguson might have called squeaky bomb time. <laughs> OK, well, stay with us. And next, we'll be looking at the role of technology in the great opportunity. It's said that innovation and creativity thrive in a crisis, and we've seen this recently. Technology has been key from a video call or online shopping to a virtual doctor's appointment. And organisations have had to adapt, especially with so many of us working from home. So as we emerge from crisis mode, let's look at what's next. Patrick and Ollie, how can organisations sustain resilient new ways of working and make real changes? So I think it's a really interesting question around new ways of working and it's something that, that we at Capita have looked at uh, really hard actually. Um, I think as we look forward and get into the new ways of working perspectives, it, it can't be a binary kind of home versus office type debate. I think we're learning in real time the effects of how we use some of the remote technologies that, that we're using to do this recording, You know, the impact of working remotely has on our personal lives. 
and how in turn organisations are being impacted. I think we're seeing trends where we, we, we could accelerate trends towards more flexible hours where people have caring responsibilities um, for, for either you know, elderly relatives or, or for children. I think also we could see a case where there's a trend towards more kind of output-based management versus hourly work or presenteeism. But at the same time, I think we've got to be conscious that we're also seeing early impacts on physical and mental health as we, we kind of get to grips with losing the ability to physically socialise. And as an interesting piece I was reading recently around uh, something psychologists have started to identify as Zoom fatigue, you know, where we're spending whatever it is, eight till six every day on Zoom, and we come off that physically exhausted, even though we've just been sat down in a chair for most of it. So I think there's some shorter term immediate trends that are, and, and also some ones that we've got to keep an eye on for the longer term. Um, and and organisation-wise, we're going to have to think about how these shifts impact our operations, how we recruit virtually, how we look after the welfare of our people, right through to some more obvious ones about how we look at our property portfolios um, and how we define what what a working week is for our our people. Because it's possible that the novelty wears off and that employees lose an impetus to keep working from home and being on their own. Yeah, I I think there's a real danger and a real risk of that. I think the change has been so sudden and people are drawing conclusions very quickly. Uh, You hear that the office is dead, but we'll, we'll all, you know, this will be the new normal and all those predictions. The reality is for a lot of people who's moved to this type of working, it's very new. And just as importantly, it's, it's happened during the good weather. It's happened during the spring and summer. Uh, as someone who's worked from home and ro- worked remotely for, for many years, uh, I think people have to experience the different vibe that occurs when it's dark outside all the time. Uh, you don't have the same contact even with your neighbours or visitors. And, and that social isolation, that loneliness, we, we could see that to emerge as a real problem in, in call this an experiment, if you will. And then there's the general fatigue. Um, the, looking at video all the time, it, it does create a cognitive dissonance for people. Uh, it leaves them confused, leaves them more tired than if they were actually in an office. So the, for me, the jury's still out. Uh, I would like to see us get a full year, uh, get more data, more learnings uh, before we truly say it's a new normal and, and make those predictions and come to consequent, uh, conclusions based on only a short period of time. You mentioned video calling there. Looking at the role technology plays, do you see organisations increasingly using technology to do more with less? Yeah, I, I mean, that was a trend that was starting anyway. We will definitely see. I mean, one thing that has emerged... Uh, whilst whilst there's poor economic climate uh look at things like the tech stocks and the tech growth uh that's occurred and you've you've, you know things like zoom have become into our mainstream language and that they they are companies who've had a 500 percent growth in revenues and volumes over a year uh major growth it's 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 now going to be firmly implanted in, in in everything we do um both at work play leisure yeah i think um picking up on patrick's point about this has been a trend for a long time. I think it's an irre- irreversible trend that technology is going to increasingly do more. And there are things that machines just do that, that they're just more effective and efficient. So whether that's crunching massive data sets, providing decision-making support, running monotonous tasks 24-7, um, the benefit is that actually should allow us more time to focus on things we're better at, like strategic thinking, creativity, communication. 
Um, I think I think we're going to see more of the kind of a one extreme, almost fully automated capabilities, the type of robotic warehouses that you can you see Ocado operate, for instance. More of those types of transition where more manual labour is replaced by robots in construction, cleaning, transport, haulage, delivery services. Um, and that's going to extend into some of those more repetitive roles in the typically more kind of office environment, so admin and, and classifying documents and data or, or making bookings or what have you. But I, I hope it will also mean we can do more thinking as the monotonous and repetitive tasks are done by technology and it's that thinking time that could unlock a real surge in new ideas and new solutions to address some of the, the challenges we're facing. Um, but I think one eye on the risk factors as well is is really important because it's not just a, a panacea for everything. OK, well, in our final section next, we'll talk about the choices that can be made now and how we can plan for the future. organisations. I think one of the words most used in the pandemic is uncertainty and as we talk about planning how can you do that confidently when we really don't know what we face in the coming months and years? Well well the reality is businesses were never really that good at forecasting before the pandemic impacts. In fact in fact there's a long history of many business leaders and famous companies who, who were really confident of their strategies their forecasts and their plans but they were spectacularly wrong. Um, and clearly we find ourselves now firmly in this VUCA world, V-U-C-A, this VUCA world, which was a term coined by the US military during the Cold War, where everything is volatile, uncertain, complex and ambiguous. And against that backdrop now, it, it really amazes me that we're still trying to force fit the new problems into approaches and frameworks that suggest certainty and predictability. It's just not going to work. It never worked before, uh, and it's certainly not going to work now. I think the five-year business plan will be something that will be confined to the annals of history, and you'll see many more organisations now really embrace agility as a key strategy going forward. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with with what Patrick's saying there. I think we've got to get really comfortable with uncertainty being here for a long time, a fact of life. The pandemic may well be a longer term feature of life than we hope. You know, if um, if we don't find a vaccination in the time frames we're thinking we might, we're going to have to live with the challenge and see how we take the positives from it. But practically, I mean, I think that means that long term strategies and complex plans, that's unlikely to be helpful in that kind of environment because there's too many variables that, that could change. I think for me, simplifying and focusing on and where there's opportunity in the shorter term would, would be a much better approach, I think. So finally, after all the major disruption to business and society, what are the choices to be made now? Uh, for me, it's, it's some things uh, remain and the things that do remain are customers. Uh, and it really is going to be a case of can you connect deeply with your uh, employees and also really listen to your customers. The two things go hand in hand. Uh, they're talking to each other all the time and if we listen... They're talking to us all the time, really. They're informing our products, our services, reviewing and comparing. So uh, any, it's an interesting statistic that any hour of the day or night, there's 5 million people on customer review sites telling us exactly what they think of our products and services. There's a similar number 
that contribute to employee sites such as Glassdoor that tell us what they think of our companies they work for, etc. We have to embrace that data. Uh, we have to harness it and not resist it. Uh, and that's going to be a key to success. And, and for a customer, it doesn't matter now whether you're in banking, insurance, energy, telecoms, retail. The threat is the same. The customer expects the same experience that they get from their bank to be like the experience they get from Deliveroo. And if you do not serve that sort of service and experience, they will shift and move so quickly to your competitor. Yeah, for me, uh, it's a choice about whether to be paralysed by the uncertainty or, or whether you lean into it and think about how to be relevant to your customer. So whilst it's tempting to think that there's going to be a return to some kind of pre-pandemic normality, I think the systemic shocks to the economy, society, business, not to mention our own daily lives, mean that some of the long-held assumptions around what normal is are no longer valid or as valid as we once thought. So it's an opportunity now to do things differently and, and look for a better outcome, I think. Well, that's it for now. It's been a fascinating and I hope valuable conversation. Patrick Gormley, thanks for joining us. Thank you. And Ollie Freestone, thank you. Thanks, Justine. Uh, join us again soon when we continue to explore the great opportunity with experts from business, government and academia. And do subscribe to this series so you won't miss an episode. Until next time, from me, Justine Green, Patrick and Ollie, thanks for listening and goodbye. Goodbye.